Thanks for joining us for the Exchange Church Podcast. Here's this week's message from our special guest. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. And you can grab your seats. I don't know about you, but I've, I think the Holy Spirit is in this place already. I'm expectant. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Honestly, God woke me up at 3 o'clock in this, this morning. And that honestly rarely happens because when I go to sleep, I go to sleep. And uh, it takes a lot, of, of, uh, a lot of things to wake me up. And God woke me up this morning at 3 a.m. And he's like, Micah, we're not done. There's something else that we need to, that you need to share this morning. And so at 3 o'clock this morning, God was just pouring into me different things that he wanted me to share. So I'm expecting, I'm excited. I believe the word is, is not just a place to be enjoyed, but it's to be enjoyed. And I'm expecting and believing that God's actually going to work in every single person's life. But it, it takes us to be able to actually come ready, come open. And I don't know about you, but it's going to take you guys, not just me, to actually bring a 10 out of this message, to actually come leaving change, because I can't change you. I'm sorry. I wish I could, but I couldn't. I can't change you, but I do know someone who can. And so I hope you guys are ready. I, I'm a bit fiery. I, like I said, I am going to bring it, and it just takes you being ready, because I'm going to bring it. So I hope you guys are pumped and ready. I, some of you have no idea who I am. Um, some of you are like, who is this young punk on the stage? Get off the stage. You don't know what you're doing. And I'm going to tell you right now, I probably don't know what I'm doing. But hey, you can blame my parents because they taught me everything that I know. So if, you, if I say anything that's not theologically correct or, I don't know, I offend you, you can just email me at trey at theexchangechurch.org and uh, everything will be good. I will reply right away, just letting you know. Um, but hey, I, I'm expectant for this morning, and I've been really believing and praying uh, over not just this morning, but this church. I believe you're in a church that is a church that is making waves in the Austin area, and not just a church that's just willing to sit and play church and kind of sit back, but as a church that is willing to move forward. I actually love seeing a lot of OGs in this place. I love seeing a lot of OGs. There's a lot of OGs in here. Some of you don't know what that means. Some of you really white people don't know what that means. And uh, it's basically AKA people who have been here for a long time. And uh, it's so good to see you. Let me, I want to say this. This has nothing to do with my message, but um, thank you. Thank you, especially to the OGs that are still here in this place, because you guys are the reason that this church is moving forward. Not just uh, new people as well. Don't get me wrong if you're new. We love you. Um, but honestly, there's so much power in consistency. There's so much power in people who are still standing. And I love that as a church, that this is a church that it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter whether you, I, what I love about this church is, and I'm not saying my parents did anything wrong, but I love that no matter whether our leadership makes a right or wrong decision, you guys are still here backing them because you know the call of God is over their life. The call of God is over the staff's life. The call of God is over this, church's, this church. And honestly, there's so much power and, and still standing. And there's young people in this church that look to you. Uh, I'm telling you this from an outside perspective because I haven't been here for a long time. But from an outside perspective, there's so many young people in this church that look to you, that, uh, especially to the people that are still standing. So thank you. Keep it up because there's power in standing. And whether you feel like you are getting the good end of the bargain or the bad end, let me tell you right now, when you plant your, root, your roots deep into a church, 
God's going to bless you in ways that you can't even imagine. And so thank you. Thank you. It's, it's helped build me. And I think it's going to build this church to greater heights than you can ever imagine. That has nothing to do with my message, but I'm excited to be here. I'm actually really excited to be here. We're going to have fun. I'm really excited to have fun. I hope that clock is right because I'm going to need more time, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Incredible, incredible. Can we, first off, one last thing. I, I didn't want to forget this. I know they're my parents. But you have some of the best pastors in Austin, in the world. Can we give it up for your pastors? You guys don't see the behind scenes like we're able to see. But they, I, I actually, I, I know, okay, that sounds like I'm giving myself a big head. But I know a lot of people, not hear <laughs> <in> my heart. <laughs> but your pastors are probably the most God-fearing um, and, and, and most lovers of people that I actually know. And I, I, you guys are actually in really good hands. I want you guys to know this because they, they pray for you day in, day out. They're constantly thinking of the ways to help move this church forward to help see you guys succeed. And so you guys are blessed with the best. So can we give up one more time for your pastors? Incredible. So for those of you that have no idea who I am, like I said, they're my, they're my parents. And um, my incredible wife is here. She's from Australia. Um, which her name's Rachel Rose. She has a rock star name. Thank you, Grandma. And um, and uh, we actually have a small family. Funny, funny enough, uh, we uh, live in Australia. We got married. I went to Bible college two, for about two years. Saw the most beautiful girl in in the world, and I was like, "Hey, um, I didn't know." Kind of, we'll get to that, anyways. Um, sorry, that's later on in my message. Um, but. We actually have two dogs, believe it or not, that are like children. I think we have a photo. This is my family. This is my cute little family, my Aussie family. We have the chocolate lab um, named Blue. Now, we're not colorblind. She had blue eyes. We don't think she's a blue dog. A lot of people get confused. They're like, why did you name her Blue? She's brown. You need to get her correct. And I'm like, sorry. Uh, she had blue eyes. And then we have Benny. Funny story. We just got Benny. Um, but his name is actually Benedict Cumberbatch. And... Uh, we call him Benny. Uh, I was I was at youth and I was um, I, I I was done finishing youth and the security guard walks up to me and he's like, "Hey, we need to talk." Now this security guard is a dude you don't want to see in a back alley ever. Like he's one of he, he tr- just trust me. He's one of those guys you never want to be around in a dark alley. And he's like, "Come here, I need to chat, have a chat with you." And I'm in the middle of talking to someone, but you know when the security comes to you and says, "We need to chat," we need to chat. So I walk over with him and he's like, "We need to talk outside." So we walk outside. I'm like, okay, this is really serious. Like, this is, this is a big deal. And then he takes me off the property. And I'm like, okay, what is happening? I thought a parent was upset with something that we did in youth, or I don't know what was going on. And so he takes me to his car. And then I'm like, okay, something's really wrong. Because his car is, like, all black, and, like, you can't see inside of it. It's very scary looking. And um, he opens the door, and he points in the car. And I immediately think, he's going to kill me. This, this security dude, he is so angry at me, he's going to kill me. I, sometimes I wonder if he's even safe, to be honest. But anyways, I walk over, and I, I look in the car, and there's this cute puppy there. And he goes, that's yours. I'm like, thank you. I've always wanted a puppy, and, uh, and now that's how we have Benny. And honestly, he is a blessing because Blue needed someone to play with, and they're absolutely incredible. That's my family. And uh, we're going to jump straight into it. Enough talk about my family in Australia. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians 3. 
And it says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Set your eyes above. The title of my message, if you're wanting a title, because I know a lot of you like putting titles. I, I put a title together. It's called The Eternal Perspective. Now, for some of you millennials or hipsters, I just made it a bit simpler and shorter so you can understand. Um, it is, you can also call it Look Above. Look Above, a.k.a. The Eternal Perspective. Why is perspective so important? Have you ever thought about that? Have you actually sat down and thought, man, why is perspective so important? I actually have a diagram. I would love for the team to just throw up on the, on the screens. If you look at this diagram, you see black dots and you see two orange dots. Now, by show of hands, now this message, just to kind of set everyone up, this is going to be like, I don't like having messages that are just monologues. I like a dialogue, okay? We're in this together. So we're going to do this together. So I need you guys to shut me down. But not only that, I need some crowd participation in this place. If you were to look at this diagram, at the two orange dots, by a show of hands, how many of you think the orange dot on the left is bigger than, than the one on the right? No. Okay, no hands. All right. How many of you, by a show of hands, would look at the orange dot, would say the orange dot on the right is bigger than the orange dot on the left? By a show of hands. Okay, most of us. Great. Some of you are just thinking he's playing mind games with me right now. I don't know what to believe. He has something up his sleeve. Believe it or not, if you look at both these dots, I, I would naturally say that the one on the left is smaller than the one on the right. But if we were to take away those black dots and you look at it now, they're exactly the same size. Interesting. Interesting. See, perspective is actually a very powerful thing. Let's throw those black dots back up. You see, I think oftentimes this is what happens as humans. This is what happens. We tend to surround ourselves. We tend to be like the dot on the right. Now, this may just be me, and you may not be this way, so just go with me for a second. But we tend as humans, naturally speaking, we tend to be the, the dot on the right. So if God, if we're, if we're the orange dots, what happens is, is we tend to surround ourselves with people who think, for lack of a better term, small. Because what happens is when we surround ourselves with people that naturally think small, we tend, it tends to make us feel big. We tend to think, oh, man, I got it all together. I know what's happening. I can, you know, I'm, uh, I guess I'm the stuff, you know? Like, I, I got a little swagger in my step. I don't know what's happening, but my legs just naturally walking like this. That's, that's what tends to happen when you're the dot on the right. But what actually needs to happen, what biblically needs to happen, is we tend to actually need to be the dot on the left. You see, God is so big that it tends to intimidate us. We look at his word and we think, oh, no. God says to live above reproach. Ugh, I don't think I can do that. God says not to be um, addicted. Oh, well, I got this problem. I think God's just going to have to deal with it. Or, ah, I swear too much. But, you know, God tells me not to swear, but that's just how I am. And God, I was born this way. I was born swearing out of my mother's womb. And 
You know, that's, that's how we tend to think. But the thing is, is we actually need to, I love what the Bible says, is the Bible talks about how when in our weakness, he is made strong. And sometimes when we are a bit small, God is actually a bit big. We tend to actually see God expand and grow in a way where we can't see before. We actually start seeing in different ways than we ever can actually imagine because we're so used. Now we're seeing in a different light. We're not thinking of what the world tries to tell us and tries to be like, but we're thinking about what God's trying to tell us, something that's bigger, that's broader, something that we can't fully understand. But ultimately, we lead change because we surround ourselves with people who are bigger than we are. Perspective is an interesting thing. It's powerful. I don't know if any of you guys know um, the song. I need a singer. (laughs) Jasmine, do we have a singer? Where's Jasmine? Jasmine, come up here. Come up here, Jasmine. Give it up for Jasmine. You are a great singer, by the way. You're phenomenal. Every time I come here, I love listening to you sing. Um, I don't know, honestly, I don't know if you're a good choice, though, um, because I don't know if you know this. Do you know Queen? Okay, good choice. Okay, good. Um, so there's a song that many of you may know. It's, it goes by, it kind of goes like, we are the champions, you know? So I want you to just sing the last part. So I'll see, we're all going to sing together, okay? We're going to do this together because we're a family. This is a dialogue. Um, so it kind of goes like, we are the champions, my friends. Amazing. Can we give it up for Jasmine? <laughs> Some of you would have never thought we'd be singing Queen in church. Funny enough, if you actually, I was writing this message and I was thinking about how the world can actually, can actually affect our perspective. Now, if I was to tell you to sing that song, we would all sing the song by ending it by saying, we are the champions of the world. But in fact, the song doesn't end that way. Some of you are like, Changed my life. I'm not used to what are you talking about? The song, We Are the Champions, doesn't end by saying of the world. Now it is in the song at a certain point, but it doesn't end that way. We are we are wired to know that's how the song ends. Interesting. Interesting. I don't know if you do we have any uh Star Wars fans? Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans, my man. I'm gonna run over here. Sorry, give me a second. All right. There's this famous, this famous line. He's like, why are, you, why are you over here right now? There's this famous line. Sorry, remind me your name. Eric. All right, so there's this famous line. Whether you have seen Star Wars or haven't seen Star Wars, there's this famous line that everyone should know where Darth Vader is about to cut off Luke's arm. And so what's that, what's that famous line that Darth Vader says? Ooh. You are a fan, a true fan. I like that. I'm actually, I actually like that. So many of us would actually think, Luke, I am your father. But in the movie, he goes to Darth Vader and he goes, Darth Vader says, no, I am your father. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. We all believe, we're all wired to believe, except for true fans like Eric. 
we all, he's like giving a proud wave. He's like, yep, I know my stuff. We are all, we are all wired to believe that it says, Luke, I am your father. It's interesting. Who, do we have any, um, you know, we might not want fans. Um, do we have any uh, Snow White fans? Anyone who knows Snow White? Snow White. Yes, I have like, I want like a, I don't know kind of hand. I don't want an actual, we have some here, Caleb, my man, Caleb. All right, so Caleb, when, were you here last service? Okay, good. I didn't want you to cheat. Um, The queen is looking at the mirror and she goes to talk to the mirror. What does she say? Yes, that's pretty close. That's good. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? How many have heard that before? Okay. Believe it or not, in that movie, it just, they don't say mirror, mirror on the wall. They, it actually says magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Now, when you go home today, you can go watch these movies and see that I'm actually telling the truth. I don't lie in church, okay? Um, it's actually the truth. Perspective is a powerful thing. A very powerful thing. I really hope. What time do I need to be finished by? I just want to make sure because this time is of Satan. You just tell me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Thank you, guys. This is a rowdy service. Calm it down a bit. No, I'm kidding. There's this, uh, me and my wife. Okay, look, I'm about to be a bit vulnerable. Don't go and tell anyone else. This is between us. I didn't say this in the the 930. Um, but me and my wife, one day, my wife, I was, was away at work, and I had an off day, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to clean the house. Boys, you take notes. I was going to clean the house. And so I worked all day to clean the house. So I'm cleaning this house, and it looks amazing, and I'm literally thinking all day, I cannot wait to show my wife what I did. I cannot wait for her to come home. She is going to be so happy. She's going to end up cooking for me. She's going to end up, like, just loving me forever. And so she comes home. And immediately, she just starts laughing. And I'm like, Rachel, look what I did. I cleaned the house for you. No one else. For you. On my off day. I had no work today. This is my day off. And I cleaned the house for you. And she just keeps laughing at me. And I'm like, what is so funny? Is she so full of joy? Is the Holy Spirit just upon her? Or what, what is happening? And, and I'm like, finally, I'm like, baby, I... I cleaned the house for you on my off day. And she looks at me and she goes, I love you, but this is not how you clean a house. I've never cleaned the house since because I'm just defeated. No, I'm kidding. Perspective is an interesting, interesting thing. It's see, her version of a clean house, her perspective of a clean house is so different to my perspective of a clean house. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, Mike, you've been going on and on about all these different things in regards to perspective. But the thing is, the reason why is because it's so powerful and important. And even though it's just the slightest detail and the smallest thing, it can actually get you to a different place more, a lot further than, in, in a different place than you actually intended. For example, for example, if you're on a ship and you're traveling west, right? Or traveling, let's say, to Spain. I don't know. That sounds like a good place to travel. And Oh, sorry, that's east. Sorry, I'm not, just go with me. Um, we're traveling east to Spain. And we're on a ship, and we're traveling, honestly, thousands of nautical miles. But yet we go off two degrees. I'm willing to bet you 
the chances are we're not going to end up in the place we planned it on being. I don't know if you're hearing me. But we're probably not going to end up going to the destination that we set a goal for, that we set a mark out to hit. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life where we're missing the mark. I want to live a life where we're constantly saying, you know what, God, this is what you have planned for me. I know that you have better things planned for me. I know that you have a purpose, a destination set out for me. I don't want to live blind. I don't want to live blind to what you have called on my life. But it takes us realizing an eternal perspective. Eternal perspective. It is so important. I remember um, before this church was born, two months before, I was a guitar player. So I also do music. Some of you may not know this, but I do music as well. And uh, as a kid, I was playing guitar. And my, I remember my dad saying one day, hey, we have two, uh, two guitar players, um, but we don't have a drummer. And so I immediately go, don't worry, I'll, I'll play drums. And my dad's like, what planet are you on? You don't play drums. You've never even touched a kit in your life. What are you thinking? And I was like, Dad, don't worry. I got this. And so I worked hard. I worked really hard. Now, I can't tell you that I knew how to play drums. I can't even tell you I knew how to hold the sticks properly. I can't even tell you I could stay on beat. And actually, Jordan, you did an incredible job this morning. You were an incredible drummer. And I, I, I mean it. You're better than ever I, ever I was. I couldn't even stay on beat. My goodness. What, as a drummer, you're supposed to stay on beat. And um, I even had a metronome. That's like cheating to some people. And I still couldn't stay with a metronome. Anyways, I remember one, certain, one morning we were in rehearsal, getting ready for the service. And I was, I was playing. And the thing was, is I knew I wasn't hitting the mark. I knew I wasn't the best drummer in the world. I worked hard. But I, I knew I wasn't the best. And, and I remember this, I remember my stress levels were always up and down. Like I was real stressed out because I always wanted to do my best and I cared about what people thought. I wanted to make sure that I, I was building the team, helping the team. And I remember this morning, uh, one particular morning, I'm not gonna say any names. She was the worship leader that was up here this morning. Uh, but this one particular worship leader was on that morning. And uh, I remember Amber, Amber, we're in rehearsal, and I get off beat. And so she turns around. She has the nerve to turn around and start giving me one of these. And that is the worst nightmare for any drummer. Like, you don't, that's the last thing you want to be seeing. Now, I love Amber. But in that moment, I didn't love her so much. I was like, you know, I'm done. <laughs> like, I was... There was this moment where like, I started boiling inside and I'm like, something's not right. Something is not right. You know when you have those days, you're just like, something just isn't right. You know, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed and immediately when she starts giving me one of these numbers, I look at her and I go, I'm on beat. And I gave it to her in front of the whole team. Now that's not how you act. That was, I, was, I wasn't saved at that point. And I was going through my own journey, no judging. And immediately when I did that, the worst thing in the world happened. My dad walks across. And he gives me one of these things where obviously my heart just drops in my stomach. I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. I'm literally going to die. I'm going to, something's going to happen. 
he's going to just kick me out of this church or something. And uh, he goes, he goes like this. And so I get, put my head down in shame, get off the drum kit, walk over. He grabs me by the ear. Well, at least that's how I remember it. I don't know if that's actually true. And so he walks me over this way and pulls me backstage where no one's at. And uh, <laughs> he doesn't sit there and go off at me. Because in that moment, I was doing a salvation's prayer, just hoping God will save me because I thought I was legit dead. I was like, I'm dying, going to heaven. Or at least I'm going to try to go to heaven because I, I need my salvation right now. And he looks me in the eyes. He doesn't condemn me. He looks me in the eyes, and the tears start coming down his face. And he says, Micah, how dare you put your emotions, your insecurities over people's eternity? And he kind of reminds me of a passage in the Bible in Matthew. Matthew says Jesus is with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's asking his disciples to pray. And it says in the Bible that Jesus was a stone's throw away. Now, I don't know how good Jesus' arm was, but I like to imagine things. And so in my imagination, I think he's like the Tim Tebow. And so he grabs a rock that's probably like massive, it's like a boulder, probably like the stone that they rolled away from his tomb. He like grabs the, the, the tomb rock. That's where it went, probably. He, he grabbed it and just chucked it. And... Uh, <laughs> And it, it, we'll catch up in, in verse 40. It says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not uh, possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. In this moment, the disciples were sleeping. Just like I was in that moment. I was blinded by my emotions. Jesus was trying to wake up the disciples. You see, what, what my dad was doing, he was trying to wake me up. He was trying to give me an eternal perspective. An eternal perspective. I wonder, church, how oftentimes do we get so emotionally involved that we end up becoming distracted and we come off a couple degrees of where God's actually trying to put us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to end up in a destination that God isn't calling me to. I want to always be front-footed and walk on the line, on the path that Jesus is taking me. But what I'm going to do with the time that I've left, because I have no time, I just want to quickly give you four points on how to have an eternal perspective. We know why we need an eternal perspective. We know what an eternal perspective is. But how? How do we live 
outlive an eternal perspective. Point number one, if you're taking notes, because you probably have not taken any notes since now because I've been talking about stories this whole time. Point number one is to look above. I don't know if you've heard the saying, it's, it, call, it goes like this. I used to use it, not necessarily in the best way. I wasn't making fun of Jesus, okay? But I was using it in a way just to kind of have fun. Um, but if my sister did something really dumb, or like she's coming to me and she's like, hey, we should, what do you think about this? I would just look at her and be like, WWJD. Does anyone know what that is? What would Jesus do? Now, how, I love back then in the church, we used that all the time. Churches across the world would put on little wristbands, WWJD, to remember what would Jesus do? And, and it was fun and cute at the time. But I think now in the generation that we live in, we need to use it more than ever. And I'm not saying in a way to condemn people. I'm not saying in a way to kind of be fun. Or I'm saying, you know, and necessarily, I'm not saying in a way to evangelize to people. But I'm, gonna say, I'm saying it in a way, introspectively, how we see ourselves and how we outwork this life that we live. When we go through situations and, and trials and circumstances or we're walking into a, a, a meeting at our job where we know that our boss is about to give it to us. We know that we've probably messed up, but yet we allow our emotions to blind us. Instead of walking in blinded by thinking, oh, well, my boss could have done this or my pastor could have done this. Maybe we tend, maybe we should walk in think, say, thinking, what would Jesus do in this situation? Would he be kind and actually be teachable in this moment? Would he be there saying, God, whatever your will be done, if this is something I need to work on, open my eyes to something that I can't see. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Point number two. To have an eternal perspective, you must look above and you must look around. What I love about this church, I love, I, well, actually, one of the most, I guess, priceless things about this church is this church is willing to do, is willing to do the journey with you. I love people like John Leggett. Uh, before I even left, and even still to this day, when I come and visit, he's, he's the first one that calls me and says, hey, when are we going to catch up? Here's this older gentleman who's hanging out with this young punk. But it's not about me being a young punk. It's because he believes in me. And I love that we have a church like John Leggett, people like John Leggett. There's people all around. But it just takes us looking around and saying, you know, who are people that can actually help me have an eternal perspective? who can grow my perspective, who are big thinkers, people who aren't small, who aren't trying to make me feel big, but are actually trying to challenge me and grow me and see me succeed and, and, and challenge me to see me move forward in life. I, I think it's time for us to start looking around in this church, in this community that God has placed in front of us. Instead of looking around outside of this church on what the world can give us to grow us, on what corporately can give us, what the corporate world can give us, what our business can give us, and actually look around and say, can our church, what can we do together as a family? What can we give each other? How can we help each other? Because I'm willing to bet you right now, if we were a church, and, I, and what I love is we are, we're a church that is constantly saying, how can we champion you? How can we make you a hero? Because we have heroes in this church. And it takes someone to see it in someone. Point number three is look to his word. To have an eternal perspective you need to look to his word. You know, how often do we end up, uh, what I love is we actually, God has actually given us such an incredible gift to actually look to his word. It's literally a map to life. If we want to grow our perspective on life, 
Why do we leave our Bible at the nightstand every day and we only use it for Sundays? I wonder why. When, when the Bible is called to be our rock and our foundation to this life, why are we not living upon it? And I, I hope I'm not challenging, well, I hope I am challenging you a bit because that's what church is about. We don't want you to leave the same, but I hope this is inspiring you to see that, hey, we need God's word to be able to grow our perspective, to think bigger, to not be, because I'm telling you right now, the enemy, everything he's going to try to do is make you think small. Last thing. Believe for more. Grow your eternal perspective. Look above, look around, look to his word, and believe for more. I love that we're a part of a church. I love that the exchange is not about going through the motions. I love that it's not about going day to day, not seeing people change and life's change forever. I love that this church is all about going from strength to strength, even when it hurts. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you can either go through the pain of being mediocre or you can go through the pain of stretching. It's your choice. And I love that as a church, we're always going through the pain of stretching. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through the pain of being mediocre. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I've dealt with a lot of people in church. I have. I know I'm young, but I have dealt with a lot of people who are constantly coming to me saying, hey, life sucks. Or I, I hate church. But it's because they're willing to not go with the weight. They want to just stay in their own little bubble. And they go through the pain of not changing and growing because they're too scared of the pain of stretching. That was free. That wasn't in my notes. I remember Rachel's dad, I'm closing, Ben can come up. Um, I remember Rachel's dad came and had a chat with me. He said, Micah, he's an older man. And he came to me and he said, Micah, there's, if there was one thing I could change or that I could pass on to you, it's I wish I lived. One thing that I would love for you to outlive is I wish I knew sooner. He's like, Mike, I didn't, I didn't realize this till I was probably in my mid-40s. How to stand in confidence in knowing that I'm a son of God. He's like, if I just change that one thing, live more confidently and walking and knowing that I'm a son of God, my life would have been changed forever. I would have gone things I wouldn't have had to gone through, go through. And I love that because sometimes we need to stand in that knowing that no matter what's ahead, even the unknown can be scary. If we walk in confidence and believing for more, God's going to do something that's going to wreck your world. He's going to do something that you cannot even imagine or explain. A lot of people growing up would say, Micah, Micah, why? There's something about you. You have so much favor on your life. Everything that you aspire to be or do ends up working out. And I remember sitting there thinking about this for a while, for years. And even just slightest examples, even financially, I remember we were getting married, I was getting married to Rachel. And I didn't think, like classic mistake, I didn't think about how much a wedding costs. I just know, remember the song, like put a ring on it. So I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna put a ring on it and we'll figure out what happens from there. So I put a ring on it and then didn't realize the bill. I'm like, man, okay, life is hitting me in the face right now. And believe it or not, our wedding was completely paid for. And it wasn't a wedding that was like just a lower level class wedding or just like a dinner and then like we just say I do. Like it was a high class wedding, a wedding of our dreams. And it was not a very cheap wedding at all. 
And I remember even going to college, people were constantly providing and helping me out, paying for my plane tickets, doing like we have a generous church. This is a very generous church. And people come to me saying, Why does why do these things happen to you? It just feels like anytime something happens, people are always supporting you, helping you. I mean, we even have people, for example, like Dana Diamond, who is constantly messaging me, even overseas, not just financially, but with her words and her time. She's like, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm believing for you. I believe that I, God put you on my heart, and I believe there's best days ahead for you. And, you know, the reason why I believe we were so favored and we had so much on our life was because we stood in confidence knowing who we were in Christ. Right now, in the season that we're in, we need a house. Desperately. <laughs> And believe it or not, in Australia, some of you may know this or may not, the market is very bad. Uh, a normal house here would cost about $750,000 there. Um, and it goes up over a million dollars. So it's very expensive to get into the market. Very expensive. And so people our age, young young couples, and even they, they'll go from our age to about mid-30s before they can even purchase their first house. So they're living in small two-bedroom houses with kids and, and with because we just can't, it's just very hard to get into the market to save a deposit, etc. And I remember getting so stressed out about this. And I, there came a moment in my life where I always would hear pastors saying, you know, that church there, I'm believing for that church to be our church. I'm going to pray. I know that church is going to be our church. God's going to give us this church. God's going to give us this building. And it clicked on me. If God can provide for his church, and if I am his church, he can provide a house for me. I don't need a way for me to, for things to just work out, but I can believe in knowing that God's gonna provide. I may not know how, I may not know when, but I know God is gonna give us a house no matter what. But it's because we stand in knowing, we believe for more because we stand firm in knowing that we are a son of God, that we will never lack anything. That we will never lack anything. Just to close up, I know I've said this about 20 times. Just to close up, I want to read you a couple scriptures, really, or just paraphrase it. This is what the Bible says. And you can't argue with the Bible. You might be able to argue with a lot of things that I said, but you can't argue with the Bible. And it says, this is what it says about you. But first, can we just stand? I would love if we, if we stand. This will make me have to close. says in his word and I, I would love if can we can we just stand in a posture of receiving I would love this morning if we just receive this tonight this morning and believe that God's actually going to impart something into us that we're not going to leave the same but we're going to leave with something greater and better than we ever expected it says in his word I will never leave you nor forsake you that you are chosen by God that he prepares the way to live a blessed life. That you're a child of God. Church, that's good news this morning. That's news you can stand on. That you are a child of God. That you are chosen. That you are blessed beyond measure. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over will be poured into your lap. With every head bowed and eyes closed. I want to pray two groups of people. First group is people that just want to have a, a bigger perspective. You feel like you've been maybe belittled. Maybe you feel like you haven't been able to really see God expand your life, your thinking, your business, your family, 
Maybe you're wanting God to give you a mission statement for your family to live on, a goal, a destination. If that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, can you just lift your hands? If you're wanting a, a drop, a, a drop more of perspective, a drop more of knowing who you are in Christ, I'd love for you to just lift your hands. I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, that you are for us and you are not against us. God, we thank you that nothing can stand against us. Father, I pray you would open our eyes that we wouldn't become blinded by the world. We wouldn't become blinded by, our, by what people may say about us. We wouldn't be blinded by our emotions. But God, you would open our eyes to see what you're trying to show us. That you would give us an eternal perspective this morning, God. God, that you would refresh us. That we would leave change this morning. That we wouldn't just play church. But God, we would do business with you. We love you, Father. We thank you that with you, our lives can be bigger. Our lives can be better. And we thank you that we're part of a church that is constantly going to grow us, that's constantly going to see us move forward in life, that's going to bring us from strength to strength. No matter how we may feel, no matter what the world says, God, you are for this church. You look at, you look at this church and you say, I love her. I am for her. And nothing will stand against her. In Jesus' name. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, just one more time, I want to pray for one more group of people. Maybe you've never met this guy named Jesus that I'm talking about. Someone who died for you and me. Take all of our sin away. Maybe you once knew him and you've kind of gone off a different path. Maybe you've gone off a couple degrees and you've landed in a different destination than what you planned out being in. I want to give you an opportunity to come running back to him. It's never too late. And I pray that we don't miss this moment this morning to actually accept him into our hearts, whether you know him now or you've never known him before. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just ask you to lift your hands after the count of three. If that's you, if you want to meet Jesus for the first time, if you want to come running back to him, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands. Not, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I just want to know who I'm praying for. It's between you, me, and God. You're not going to pray to me going to pray to Jesus. So that's you on the count of three. One, he loves you. Two, he will never forsake you. Three, if that's you, just lift your hands. Bold. Hands going up all over this place. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them high. Don't be bold. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, what we're going to do now with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to just pray a prayer, and I just want you to repeat it after me. Okay, we're going to do this together loud. As a family, everyone's going to do this. So just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for taking away all my sin. I choose to follow you for all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for everyone that made that decision this morning? It's the best, best decision you can ever make. It says in the Bible that when one person comes into eternity, all of heaven rejoices. And that's why we're so pumped, because now you are a part of our family, and you've always been. You may have not known that. The second you walk through these doors, you immediately become part of our family. But this is the best decision you can ever make. We actually have a Next Steps card just to kind of help you on your journey and your next step on where you're going, because we want to make sure that it doesn't stop here. 
just because you made that decision this morning doesn't mean that life just stops. But let me tell you something. When you step in a relationship with Jesus, we tend to get it confused. We tend to think that Jesus is all about fixing behavior. But Jesus is not about fixing behavior. He's all about fixing your heart and your relationship with him. He's about a relationship. He's a God that's in relationship with you. It's nothing about, oh, you, you may be addicted or you may watch things you shouldn't watch or you may swear or you may do all these things. That's behavioral things, but that will come. What I love about Jesus is Jesus is like, hey, let's just do the journey. Let's just be, let's just be friends. Let's be family. And we'll work all that stuff out later. So I pray that you don't just stop today and just think, oh, that was a nice decision, but it's actually, and then go home and feel like you're living a double life because that's not what it's all about. He's willing to do that life with you. He's not just here, he's there. And so I would love, there's gonna be people with these out on your way out. They'll be waving it. Just go ahead and just go up to them. You don't have to say anything weird. Just say, hey, I'd love to have one of those next steps cards. Just kind of help you go onward and upward from here. Thank you, church. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is moving in your life. Share your story by visiting theexchangechurch.org and click on connect to contact us.